Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode brought to you in part by Thrive Fantasy. Available in the App Store, Play Store, or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Use the promo code FINADICS when you sign up today and you will receive an instant $20 bonus on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and hashtag prop up today. In a world that's perfect lies a perfect little town where one team stands alone. But now, something's stirring that will change this place forever. Perfect. Welcome to Perfectville, your first place podcast of your second place. That's right. Second place. Miami Dolphins, part of the Fanatics Network. My name is Sam Marcoux, and he is the two-time, yes, two-time Hall of Famer. <clears throat> of course, I'm talking about the Mr. Christopher Colon. Chris, how in the hell are you, my friend? I'm that famous Birdman gif. I'm just looking at the AFC East, the top. Buffalo Bills looking human after we uh, we didn't lose by much to them. And here we are now, two in a row, buddy. And uh, I'm feeling great going into the bye week. How the hell are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, the Dolphins are 3-3. Three and three. As I predicted on Twitter after the Seahawks game, I said the Miami Dolphins will be 3-3 three and three heading into Week 7. Now, at the time, I didn't realize we were getting the gift of the New York <laughs> Jets for Week 6. But uh, I took a look at the schedule, and I saw how this team was playing and how they were gelling together. And I just thought, no, this team is not going to lose to the 49ers and originally the Denver Broncos. Uh, but as it turns out, we didn't lose to the Niners or the New York Jets. In fact, we didn't even let the New York Jets score, Chris. We win this game handily 24 to nothing, and that's with us taking, for the most part, the second half off of this game. Uh, what are your thoughts against the Adam Gase still-led New York Jets against the Miami Dolphins, 24 to nothing, pasting? Do you know what rhymes with deuce leg? <laughs> Why don't you inform us, Dr. Cullen? Goose egg. Let's fucking go, Sam. We didn't just beat the Jets. We shut them out. Joe Flacco looked like my grandfather playing a pickup softball game for his company when he was 60, playing quarterback against this defense. It's the second to third week in a row where this defense is really, again, projecting the right way. Complete shutout. Didn't play perfect and completely won the game. Did again what we're supposed to do, what I said before. We're beating the teams we're supposed to play. It was never or beat. Uh, it was never a worry. It was never a problem. Sam, we beat the New York Jets of all teams. Fuck the Jets. We beat the Jets. We shut them out. Adam Gase, and the best part is Adam Gase didn't get fired like we wanted. We shut out the Jets, and here we are moving on to a bye week um, with two weeks to soak this all in and really enjoy it. Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, the, the way the schedule broke this year, we actually got good news when it comes to changing the schedule. Usually when something like this happens, not that we've ever lived through coronavirus before, but when something shifts and changes for the Miami Dolphins, it's a bad thing. It's like, oh, all of a sudden you played Monday night, you have to play Thursday night too or something like that. That didn't happen. We got the San Francisco 49ers when they were at their worst with regards to uh, how many players were out. And then we get the treat of getting the New York Jets at home directly after that. Then we get a bye week, which comes in handy, Chris, because I don't know if you noticed this, but during the game, we had people going out with concussions like Van Ginkle. Uh, we had uh, um, uh, Raekwon Davis go out with a, some sort of ankle injury. Things that are going to be nagging, but having the bye week right now uh, makes way more sense than having it like week 11 as originally thought. So it seems like everything's just sort of breaking Miami's way right now, especially now that the New England Patriots are below 500 uh, and the Buffalo Bills are coming back to earth after their 4-0 rocket start. They're now 4-2. and We're only one game out of first place here, Chris, in a very winnable uh, division, which is why uh, we're going to talk a little bit later uh, this this uh, this episode about some of the changes the Miami Dolphins are making. I don't know if you've heard, Chris, but uh, there's a change happening with our quarterback that we're going to talk about. But really? let's talk about the quarterback here at the New York Jets game. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws a couple of picks. Ryan Fitzpatrick throws a couple of touchdowns. Ryan Fitzpatrick does what Ryan Fitzpatrick does best, which is go out, have fun, and lead the Miami Dolphins to either defeat or victory, in this case, victory. What are your thoughts overall about the Miami Dolphins offense led by Ryan Fitzpatrick? And oh, yeah. Yeah, some other guy played quarterback in mop-up duty. Uh, good. Okay. I mean, like, good. There's just uh, – we won. So, I mean, I really hate being that guy that's just like, well, not that we won. Let's really critique this and see what happened. But um, the second half, people have posted a lot of our drives, and they're just duds. Uh, I mean, we're up 21 nothing at halftime. Uh, it's just – 
we 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 didn't keep the gas pedal down and i don't know if that's play calling i don't know if just they made adjustments at halftime but uh all this talk about adam gase and the guys that didn't like playing for him and just sticking it to the man we really could have went out there and just laid a 40 burger again on those guys and i just felt like we let up i don't know if it was fits if it was the play calling but um all in all you can't complain about uh, this game like at all like there's just but this this is radio we'd have a horrible show if we just sat here and we're like we're fucking great see you next week all right um, there, there were things to be left. Uh, I really wish Gaskins would have got over a hundred, um, for him just personally. Cause I like the guy, the more and more I see him play. Um, but yeah, the offense was, was good, but I feel like could have been better. Yeah, it could have been better, but I have a theory on this, Chris. We have to see these guys again later this season, and who knows who Good will be call. the head coach? Who knows who's going to be quarterback? Who knows who's going to be playing defense for the Jets? They made a trade today where they traded one of their linebackers to the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so it looks like they're kind of getting ready to just call it a season, but we are going to see them later this season, and I kind of feel like we knew this game was in hand after it was 21 nothing. We could pull back. We could get very vanilla. We didn't have to do too much. Now, that's not to say that we should just go three and out every single time and throw interceptions in our own end zone right before the half and everything else i agree with you especially with it being the jets it would have been nice would have been great would have been sweet if we could have put at least 30 on them and just really hammer at home that they are terrible and we are not um but i i kind of feel like they did pull back i felt like in the second half they kicked the field goals 24 nothing the 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 lead was well in hand um it was really just a matter of could they pitch a shutout or not which they ultimately did that was the only challenge that they had and that was a defensive challenge more than an offensive challenge so yeah there were there were points left on the board um we didn't have a third down conversion until super late in the game, which uh, I don't care who you are. That is deplorable, especially against the New York Jets. Uh, but I kind of feel like we looked at this and went, all right, pull back. We're going to see them later. We don't need to show them all of our tricks just yet. And uh, we can come back later this year and beat them, you know, 27 to seven if we need to, or 35 to nothing or whatever it turns out to be. Uh, it was a complete beatdown. I, I had zero worries about this game. It was the most comfortable game I've had as a Miami Dolphins fan in a very, very long time. Yeah, since the week before against 49ers. Um, uh, even even more so because going into the Niner game, I thought, okay, the Niners, they just lost to the Eagles. They, they, they're they getting Jimmy Garoppolo back. Uh, it wasn't until we went up like 21 nothing, where I'm like, okay, I think we have this in hand uh, or 14 nothing or whatever it was. This game from the get-go, I'm like, ah, I could be late to watch this because I'm not going to miss anything on defense. The, the offense has got this. Yeah, and 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 normally I, I would agree with you there with letting off the gas and things like that. But this is a division game, and we had no preseason. So uh, especially knowing now that we're going into the uh, into a buy, it'd been nice to just go out there work on some things. Obviously, don't lay all your cards out and show your whole uh, playbook. But I, I did feel like we went. I mean, I'm talking like vanilla extract, uh, vanilla in the second half of that game, um, which which is fine. I mean, we won. I would have liked to see – look, Sam, we're fans, and we fucking hate the Jets. I, yeah. I, I want to go out there and just shove it in their mouth until they're, like, crying and then choking. Like, I just I, – I hate the Jets, hate their fans. Um, but it's actually – it might be better. Let's flip this. We, we literally didn't even try in the second half and still shut them out. Yeah, we, we, we didn't try in the second half and still outscored them. Granted, 3 nothing, and uh, <laughs> none of my fantasy players for the Miami Dolphins in any of my leagues did anything because Devontae Parker took the day off. Uh, uh, Mike Kosicki wasn't even there. Every tight end other than him in the history of the NFL for the Dolphins. Anthony Fasano caught a touchdown, but Mike Kosicki did not. And, of course, Jason Sanders uh, remains perfect, but only one field goal instead of five like we got accustomed to. Uh, so a little bit different offensively, but it, it was good. And Preston Williams had a good game, and I hate to say it, Chris, I hate to say it, but you love to see it. Jakeem uh -oh. Grant had himself had himself a little bit of a decent pro day. And I can't help but think, Chris, that um, this is my fault. I think Jakeem Grant had a good game because me, Mr. Sam Marcu, I know champions, Chris. The Los Angeles Lakers are champions. The Los Angeles Dodgers are going to be champions. And I could see that championship caliber of athlete that Jakeem Grant was. He just needed a little bit of motivation. And I believe that I, Sam Marcu, gave him that motivation well so we got in what five minutes into the show before you mentioned the fucking lakers of course um after ending it on that shit show last week but uh yeah i knew this was coming tweeted about it i got a lot of uh, traction by their fans on on twitter uh we knew this was coming the hashtag sam curse um but in reverse so Next time I go in for my review for a raise, I'm going to bring you there and let you fucking roast me in front of my boss. Uh, and then I'm going to probably make like the biggest raise I've ever had in my career. Uh, because obviously every time you shit talk anybody, you have the Midas touch and they show up the next game and have the game of the year. So Jakeem Grant, 
way to go. Thanks for being a listener of Perfectville, obviously, because every single time Sam bashes one of you guys, uh, you obviously just lift weights to a montage like Rocky and you go out there to prove Sam Marcoux of all people wrong, not Chris Collinsworth, not uh, Skip Bayless, but Sam Marcoux is the guy, like, your, your Drago, Grant last week, like grabbed your pitcher and squeezed it and squished it off the mirror before lifting logs in the, in the cold of Russia. So that, that's Sam. And I knew we were going to hear it. So give him all the accolades guys. There he is. Sam Marcoux. Nice job, buddy. You wait till you hear what I say about Tua when we get back from the bye week oh, just fuck. to motivate the guy <laughs> and probably lose all of our listeners because people aren't going to know what the hell I'm talking about. No, but Preston Williams had another good game. Jakeem Grant made some really good decisions out there. I mean, I, I'm not lying. I it, it, it They really played very well, and uh, that's why it was it was really nice to see and, and really comfortable. And uh, did I have something to do with it? I mean, of course I did. Uh, but am I going to take full credit for Jakeem Grant's good play? I mean, that yes, of course I'm going to. Um, but uh, is is it just me? Yes. Yes, it is. It was just me. I mean, it had nothing to do with Jakeem Grant focusing or Preston Williams learning how to catch a ball in between the numbers. No, it was just us. Uh, we're going to talk about the current team, Chris. We're going to talk about former teams with uh, former offensive guard, Jamie yes. Nails. He's going to be joining us here in, in the town of Perfectville in just a little bit. We got some questions for him. I have some hard-hitting journalism for him, sir. Uh, he is one of my favorite offensive linemen from the last 20 years for the Miami Dolphins, but he's got something going on that I need answers, and I hopefully, hopefully, he can provide us some answers there, but we're going to talk to Jamie Nails in just a little bit. Uh, I do need to talk about the elephant in the room here, Chris, and that elephant is, of course, from the Alabama Crimson Tide. Mr. Tua Tungavailoa gets his first gameplay. I predicted this, Chris. I predicted that Tua would play in this game. Granted, I predicted he'd play in all six games that we've had so far, but again, once again, I'm right. Uh, Tua gets into the game late in the game. Uh, passes the, for the first time. It looked weird, Chris. It looked weird to see him roll out to the opposite way because I forget, even though I know yeah. that he's left-handed. Throws it to Patrick Laird, comes back, and then finally finds Jakeem Grant and gets a third down conversion for the first time in the game with about a minute left. Uh, how excited were you when Tua finally entered the game late in the fourth quarter against those Jets? My entire family uh, in the house uh, yelped. This is the best way I can say it. They screamed. When Tua Tungavailoa started warming up, he's taking snaps, and we're like, oh, yeah, is, is he taking snaps? Yeah. Is it? Is he just uh, like? Is, is he? Is he? Is he? What is he doing? Is he? Is he going to get in? What's he going to do? Is he fucking around? Wait, that's the starting center. Oh shit! And everybody just went fucking bonkers when he ran out. And uh, you come out there, you think a couple of handoffs get at the end of the game. Nope. Roll left. They blitz a corner in his face, and what does he do? Completely makes an incredible throw on the run in his own end zone. And uh, throws a completion and then completes the first down to Jakeem Grant, which I felt could have been close, but the rest wanted to get home. Um, if you look back, and I'm going to nitpick here since we're nitpicking, <laughs> and I love Tua so much, um, but that rollout, if you look back, Lynn Bowden is absolutely wide open, more inside if he just dumps it off. Maybe by his angle, the corner blitzing, he couldn't get a good arm angle there. Great throw. Patrick Laird, of all people, Sam, remember this for trivia night in 20 years when Tua Tungo-Vailoa has his uh, gold jacket and joins me in the hall of fame. Um, who was the first receiver to catch a pass with Tua Tungo Vailoa? Patrick fucking Laird is the answer. The intern, ladies and gentlemen, which I forgot we gave him that nickname last year that he was like an intern football player until somebody on Twitter I reminded me that. that he was called the intern. I'm like, that's a good nickname. And they're like, yeah, you guys gave it to him. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. So the intern, the intern gets himself a paid gig. And uh, I kind of feel like Patrick Laird is that guy. Everyone forgot he was on the team. He's like that guy who had the stapler in office space and just forget that he's there. <laughs> but he's like, it, yeah, like all of a sudden he catches a ball and even like Coach Floor is like, who the fuck was that guy? And then, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's Patrick Laird. I, I forgot he was here. Well, well done, Patrick. Good job. Uh, no, no, I'm talking shit now. Patrick Laird's going to get 150 yards against the Rams in two weeks. <laughs> Sign him uh, to your fantasy team immediately. <laughs> somebody did. You know, somebody did. As soon as Tua completed that pass, somebody looked up Patrick Laird and got him off the off the free agency <laughs> heap there. Uh, but no, Jakeem Grant catches a pass. Patrick Laird catches a pass. You actually called this, Chris, that somebody like Jakeem Grant's probably going to feast whenever Tua does get into the game yes. uh, because he's been practicing with Tua 
uh, all, all throughout the, you know, the off season, preseason, if you want to call it that. And now, you know, during the week, uh, getting ready for games, that's, that's, that's his quarterback in there. So it makes sense that Patrick Laird and, and Jakeem Grant would, would be the guys that, you know, know where to go and, and understand how to catch the ball from the left-handed side. Um, and, and so typical Greg Williams blitzing the rookie with no time left. That's why, you know, a lot of people were saying that we should have brought him in around nine minutes and I'm glad we didn't uh, be, because I don't trust Greg Williams. I don't trust Adam Gase. Uh, when their own players like Frank Gore dapping up our head coach, that tells you everything you need to know about these dirty assholes on the Jets. Uh, they would have pulled something. I think they would have tried to hurt Tua. I think they tried to blitz him. Granted, he's a rookie. you got to get in his face. I understand all that. But it seemed like so out of pocket to do that at that time. Like, take your licking. You lost 24 nothing. Just line up, do your base vanilla package, and just, you know, let things happen. And no, instead, they blitz him. They try to knock him down. They try to hurt him early. It just looked, like, very suspect and highly dirty. If you, if you actually look at the picture, the photo, like the action shot of Tua making that throw and zoom in on the corner's hand, he's up like this. He has brass knuckles on. <laughs> He actually had a, a folding chair. It wasn't shoulder pads. He was going to just pull the folding chair out of it and just hit him with it. I mean, that's the rock that's with what, mankind when he handcuffed him in like 98 or whatever. God and then they man. pulled Greg Williams mask off and it revealed it was Ric Flair, the dirtiest player in the game. <laughs> Woo! Defensive, defensive side of the ball for the New York Jets. Uh, you know, speaking of quarterbacks, because we are going to talk all about the big news about Tua now becoming the starter later after we talked to Jamie Nails. But I did want to talk to you a little bit about how much fun it looked like Ryan Fitzpatrick was having out there. I think two or three times now we've actually gone out there and uh really just to take the, the the delay of game penalty to give our punter matt hawk a little bit more room that happens here uh old friend uh, neville hewitt's on the other side point at ryan fitzpatrick saying you're not hiking the ball and ryan fitzpatrick's just there big old smile you know just laughing his ass off saying hut, 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 the whole time knowing full well that he wasn't going to hike the ball and uh just seeing ryan fitzpatrick smile made me smile chris yeah and he does it while chewing gum so he's got the whole like yeah thing going on and it actually would have been hilarious if they did go on like 18 and he's so smart from harvard that he remembers which one that is so he's just messing around he's like hut, 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 and you know made a play or something because neville hewitt that's hilarious he was straight up calling them out pointing and uh yeah just see him smile see him have fun and in hindsight which is radio tease in hindsight um i'm glad he did because um yeah, he just he's on the field. He's playing. He's having a great time it, it, to be playing at 37 after playing with so many teams with such a young team around you. That's got to be infectious. The guys have to keep them up. They probably play music for him. And he's like, who the hell is Billy Eilish? And they're just you know doing cool things with him. And he just has a blast. It keeps him young. Um, I really hope he sticks around the organization for a very long time, whether it be a, a backup or a coach, because obviously he's phenomenally uh, uh intelligent and he's just a great goddamn guy and we've said it on the show before sam you just you can't not root for this guy well you can't and uh he is a forever a dolphin he's a forever a buck forever a jet forever a bill forever a texan forever a titan forever a, a ram forever a bangle i mean this guy has just left his mark everywhere i mean he's been as many teams as he has kids at this point and that's not even a joke uh and we're going to talk all about him uh but first coming up right after these words uh we're going to sit down with jamie nails ladies and gentlemen uh mr 66 larry little jamie nails and now uh, uh, Solomon Kinley, uh, just keeping the 66 run mauling uh, guard tradition alive. We're going to go pay some bills and we're going to talk to Jamie Nails and then we're going to talk about Tua time in Miami. Right at this moment, there are men everywhere doing manly things. Beards unkempt, hair run amok, leaving them in a state of hair despair. And that's just what we can see. Never mind what's going on downstairs. But it doesn't have to be that way. Thanks to our friends at Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com and enter our promo code FINSUP to save an instant 20%, get free shipping, and help quell the hair despair in your life. These bearded bros are counting on you. Won't you help them? All right, joining us now is a man who not only played left guard for the Miami Dolphins at the turn of the century in 2002 and 2003, he played it with such, I don't know, 
uh, meanness, if I could say that, Jamie, that to this day, after playing for the Miami Dolphins for two full seasons, uh, to this day, we still talk about needing a quote-unquote Jamie Nails type. Jamie Nails, ladies and gentlemen. Jamie, how you doing? Doing good, doing good, guys. Yeah, well, thank you for joining us here. And uh, you are in a unique position to answer some questions for the citizens of Perfectville and Dolphins everywhere. Number one, we how ha- we now have a Jamie Nails type who happens to wear number sixty six, which is uh, somewhat of a holy number when it comes to offensive linemen for the Miami Dolphins. You have Larry Little, you have yourself. Uh, I suppose we could throw Rex Hadnot in there if you wanted to. And then now we've got Solomon Kinley, who seems to enjoy just. Uh, hurting defensive linemen as quickly and as uh, as effectively as he possibly can, which for Dolphins fans everywhere that have a long memory, he reminds us a lot of you. Granted, he's playing the other side of the line there, but uh, what was it like back when you were playing for the Miami Dolphins, especially when they when they were calling uh, for the, for a counterplay to the right hand side, and you knew that number sixty six was going to be sliding back and pulling over to the right hand side of the line and hitting somebody. What was that like? What was that feeling like when you knew that it was up to you to spring Ricky Williams uh, free way back when? Um, for me, it was it was it was a good opportunity to, to actually build up some momentum and hit somebody instead of uh, just taking a couple of steps and then being engaged with with the guy in front of me. So I kind of looked forward to that, and then also I, I looked forward uh, because I knew that uh, once the front side blocked down and it, and it opened up, whoever was standing in my way that. <laughs> My, my objective was to punish them. So whoever that was, linebacker, defensive end, DB, uh, Yeah, I can't imagine. Like every now and then, Chris, I know you got a question for him. Every now I was watching tape here recently. Uh, I was just getting used to uh, uh, seeing you play again. And, you know, a defensive end, defensive lineman, okay, you know, that's 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 – beef on beef right there but every now and then i'm watching highlights and uh you spring free into the uh into the backfield and i can only imagine like a safety or defensive back just staring at number 66 coming down getting ready to eat and just going like oh no what did i do they better pay me double for this game check because uh i'm about to get hurt by a big man right now so uh, i used to love watching that happen there chris chris i know you got a question yeah um jamie so speaking of that i played middle linebacker i told you off air and there's just times where somebody would come at me and you got to make a business decision. And uh, Richard Sherman was on uh, Chris Collingsworth show recently talking about tackling Derrick Henry and how you just have to go full speed and go at his thigh or his shin uh, because you were not squaring him up. Was there ever a guy you played against on defense that you recall that just after maybe one or two pancakes started making business decisions the rest of the time and, and kind of avoided your blocks? Well, uh, I, I remember Teddy Bruschi, uh, we played the Patriots and uh, I would come and I pulled a couple of times and, and I, I got him pretty good. And then after a while he started, uh, he did something I've never seen before. He would give his entire body up, just throw his legs and ch- kind of, instead of uh, standing there, he would just kind of give me like a cross body thing where uh, <laughs> if, <laughs> even if I hit him, like his legs would still like sweep out or something like that. And, maybe uh, graze Ricky or, or whoever was running the ball, but he was, he, his, his business decision was, was to just sell out, get, you know, get his whole body up. So, so he that, turned that into a thing of, from a pin, a pinball machine. Like they hit the yeah. ball. He was just trying to use his legs as the lever. Yeah, his legs, his body, whatever he could, you know, to get, to try to fill up the hole. Cause you know, he, like I said, the first couple of times I got him pretty good. And then, uh, like I said, he, he his business, I, I'd never seen that before. So I had to, really kind of think like, do I need to slow down or, you know, <laughs> that, that was a good one. But other than that, um, most guys, like I say, they, 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 they didn't really know when it was coming. The, all, all of the action kind of looked the same. So it was great for them to take their cues and just stand there. And for me to have a, 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 a lot of momentum and get a chance to run through them. Yeah, you know, kind of along those lines. Again, I was I was refamiliarizing myself with that uh, with that eighteen hundred yard rushing season that Ricky Williams had back in two thousand two, and uh, I don't know if it was two thousand two or two thousand three, but was it Ted Johnson that cracked your helmet in half? Was was that uh, was that Ted yeah, Johnson that, that happened? That was uh, that was two thousand three. That was two thousand three. Yeah. And what, what the heck happened there? Because I remember watching the play, and all of a sudden it was like, like like your head fell off. I mean, your head was there, but the helmet was there, and then it was literally <laughs> split in half. And I was like, I've never seen anything like that. That was the craziest thing I've seen in probably 30 years of watching football. Well, it was it was really cold that game. And, um, you know, uh, Ted Johnson had the, the nickname uh, Hardhead Ted. So, you know, he had uh, 
hit a couple of guys I heard about, and they said uh, I did, you know, crack some vertebrae in the neck and stuff like that. So my objective was to make sure I stayed low and hit him, you know, I hit him with, with what I all I could have, you know, and and, and and just try to get leverage to get up under him. Well, I, I took my cue, I took my step, went right at him, and when we hit, I, I it, it sounded like, you know, it wasn't even louder. It was sounding more like an eggshell kind of crack and. I, I hit him and I got up under him and started pushing him back and I'm, I'm chopping my feet. I, was, I could feel my helmet falling off. And then um, once it fell off my head, you know, I stopped and I looked and uh, everybody, everybody on the field, it kind of got, got quiet, you know, nobody said nothing. And then uh, uh, Willie McGinnis said, oh, damn, your shit broke, you know, and I was like, um. <laughs> so I got mad because I'm like, I felt like, you know, uh, not embarrassed, but you know, it was it was just like, you know, they were trying they were trying to make it out like, oh, he hit you so hard, you know, your helmet. And I'm like, I actually hit him, you know, with the top <laughs> of my helmet. So I broke my helmet. So I kind of ran off the field. And when I got to the sideline, the uh the coaches and the uh Dolphins players were looking at me, you know, like, are you okay? And I'm like, somebody give me a helmet, you know. <laughs> they were just they couldn't believe that I I was. All I wanted was another helmet. I was ready to go back out there, and they, they wanted to make sure I was okay. So that was crazy. That's never, I've never seen that happen before either. Yeah, so how does that work? So, like, in baseball, if, if a guy breaks his bat, then he goes and grabs another bat, right? He's got four or five bats, and if he's out of bats, he, he grabs his teammate's bat. Do they have backup helmets for you back in 2002, 2003? How's that working? Well, they didn't have a backup helmet. I, I actually got a Tim Bourne's helmet. He wasn't playing that game. so I, I he, But he had his stuff on the sideline, so I actually got his helmet. And went back out there. When Tim gave it to you, did you say, "Hey, don't break it this time. Don't break my shit." <laughs> no, he he didn't say anything. I think, like I said, everybody was just more looking at me, like, like, are are you really okay? Like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm I hit him. He didn't hit me, you know. But I guess since my helmet broke, everybody thought that I I, I took the worst end of it, but I really didn't. That's well, how you know, of- Chris. Th- hold on, it's like one second. I, I, that's how you know you're a man, Jamie, because like. If my helmet breaks, first of all, if I line up in Ted Johnson, Teddy Bruschi, or Willie McGinnis, the three guys you've n- named so far are even on the other side of me, I'm announcing my retirement right there on the spot. I'm walking, out of, I'm walking off saying, sorry, guys, you got four linemen now. I'm done. But uh, your helmet breaks, and everyone asks if you're okay, and you're like, yeah, I'm pissed because I need a helmet. Tim Bowens, give me your helmet. I need to get back out there and crack this one open, too. Uh, that is another level of athlete. That is another level of stud right there. Like I said, I would retire right there, Chris. <laughs> well, Jamie, on that note, I, I wanted to ask in, in your years playing with the Dolphins, who's the craziest teammate you had in the locker room? Uh, I mean, we had a lot of a lot of great guys, man. Nobody was really uh I think that I, I could say with the Dolphins when I played the entire defense was like they were they were they were just uh amazing. a lot, they were really good, they were amazing players, but there were a lot of characters over there, man, a lot of different personalities. I mean they always kept something going, always had a lot of fun, made things a lot of fun. Uh, I think uh, probably the, 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 the well, I, I'll tell you somebody who was pretty wild at, that I played with, but people wouldn't know it. That was Todd Wade. He was uh, the, 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 the right tackle at the time. And uh, Big Todd, Big Todd was, was a wild boy. He was, <laughs> he, he was a character, though. He, 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 uh, he was very smart, but uh, if you talk to him, he always talked calm at a slow pace. So, you you know, uh, a lot of people thought, like, he wasn't that smart, but he was very smart. And if you if you said something about him or you, or you questioned his intelligence, he would get really upset about it. And to see that big dude, man, was, was something. <laughs> that was funny. I was not expecting Todd Wade out of all people. That's amazing. So let me let me tell you this, Jamie. So I named my son. I played middle linebacker. I named my son Zach Thomas. Uh, his name is Zachary Thomas Cullen. So um, it, I love Zach. Uh, watch him out there. I was about the same size, 5'11", 6 foot on a good day, depending on what my college wanted to promote me as. And, uh, you know, wasn't the fastest guy, but instincts. Was Zach a type of guy that you really gave it to you in practice and made you better? How, how was he as a player just from uh, – somebody going against him in practice well going against him in practice zach uh we we rarely got a chance to really go against the ones uh we we went mostly like twos and threes stuff like that but having played against him in buffalo and watching him in practice uh i was i'm surprised that he's not in the hall of fame already um the things that he could do on the he was he was a lot faster than uh people gave him credit for 
I mean, he was had super quickness, super speed. He lived, sleep, eats, drinks, football. You know, he's he's he he, he lives, eats, and sleeps, and drinks football. I remember uh, they asked him a question one time. Uh, it was a question, and we uh, thank Dave asked him a question in a meeting, and and he asked him well, asked him several questions, and his response to each question was, "Lift weights, work hard, and watch film." <laughs> <laughs> So he was eat, sleep, conquer, repeat before Brock Lesnar yes, was. Yes, yes, yes. Every, every, the answer to each question. I mean, you could have, you could have went like several different ways with it. You know, you didn't, you didn't even have to apply to working out. But his answer was to lift weights, <laughs> watch film and work out. And I mean, that was him. I mean, he really, and, and uh, like I said, on, on the field, he was a beast, man. Uh, he, he, he could. He 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 knew what what the defense was. I mean, what the offense was going to do before they got in, it got 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 to it. He studied a lot of film. Uh, like I said, I'm I'm, I'm uh, I know he'll be in the Hall of Fame one day. I know that for a fact. If not, then something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong with that. I mean, Zach Thomas should be there, and I love the fact that that was his answer to everything. It's like, hey, Zach, what do you want to have for lunch? And eat weight, lift weights, or yeah. kind of watch films. Like, <laughs> no, that doesn't apply, but maybe it does. Uh, speaking of eating there, uh, Jamie, uh, you know, you guys, you guys got some appetites on the offensive line and the defensive line. You talked about Tim Bowens and some of the people that you uh, went up against while you were playing against the Dolphins and then while you were with them. Uh, who had the biggest appetite? Who, who when, when the five of you offensive linemen go out to eat, if the quarterback, Jay Fiedler, or Ricky Williams isn't springing for the bill, uh, who's got the biggest portion of the bill? Who's eating the most when the five of you went out to eat? Oh, we would, we, we would always make the rookies pay, so the rookies had to take care of that. But um, – I mean, guys, would we 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 would, yeah. I I I honestly don't know between the bottles of wine and all the appetizers and food we ate. I I think it was collective. We all probably, uh, maybe maybe a tie. I mean, like I said, different times. I don't know. It just depends on, uh, where we're at or what we're doing. But like I said, the rookies always had to pay for that, so that was their problem. That's their problem. That's exactly right there. I uh, I appreciate that. I, I have a question about the current team. If you're all right with that, um. The Dolphins are playing a lot of rookies this year. They're, they're one of the youngest, if not the youngest team in the NFL. And on that offensive line, they've got uh, Austin Jackson, who's actually injured right now, the left tackle. Solomon Kinley, uh, a fellow 66er. And then they have um, Robert Hunt, who came in uh, actually when Austin Jackson went off the off to the side there. Uh, what's, what's the biggest transition from college ball to pro ball? I know you started your career with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, what was the biggest like transition for you and, and what advice would you give these rookies uh, in terms of just getting into that pro mode as quickly as possible? Uh, the, the hardest transition is the speed of the game. Uh, you know, the, the, the speed of the game uh, on the college level is nothing like the speed of the game in the NFL. I mean, it's, 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 it's like, well, like I said, it's similar, but it's, it's nothing. Guys are always looking for that edge, uh, you know, and, and the one thing that I, I would say to those guys, especially being rookies, they're getting a lot of great experience um, for one. Uh, number two, uh, if they can stay healthy and, and, and continue to play together, they'll they'll learn each other's uh, you know little nuances and things that you know how 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 to how to become even better as a unit. The one thing about offensive line play is um, you have to be a unit. You know you can't have uh, individuals, everybody has to work together. And that's why when you have one of those offensive lines, like say the Cowboys had, you know, that, that, uh, they talk about, or even the Indianapolis coach, somebody where, where they, they start the same five linemen for uh, all 16 games. I mean, that, 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 uh, work they get together and that kind con continuity is invaluable, you know? And one thing I would say to those guys is just keep, keep working, keep getting that experience. Um, with especially this year without having any real uh uh like training camp you know and going through those tour days or whatever uh and, or any preseason games to kind of gel i think uh they just keep doing what they're doing they, they they have the aggressive attitude uh they have great technique they have all of those things now it's just about um you know getting getting reps getting experience and, and, and gelling together well, speaking of like current team and things like that, Jamie, uh, what's your thought process on what's gone on with Ryan Fitzpatrick uh, recently? He had a pretty, pretty brutal press conference today where unfortunately with the day and age we're in, where it's about getting it out the news out fastest, as opposed to, um, you know, the morals of things. Uh, it sounds like Fitzpatrick and the world kind of found out about Tua starting. 
um, before Flores can actually tell the team and tell the players and uh, tell the guys uh, in the room. Uh, what's what's the process like in the locker room when some somebody like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who just seems like it lights up everybody. He's the oldest guy by far on the team. Um, we're coming off a two-game win streak and a shutout, and he's benched for this uh, rookie phenom to uh, – is it just get back to work and just support the coach, support the guys, or is there – what's going on in the locker room for us common folk? I think uh, it's, it's, it's uh, get back to work. I mean, uh, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's done a great job. He's enjoying football, you know, and he's playing at a, at a he's playing at a, at, a, at a decent level because, like, I, he's he's cherishing. I'm sure he's cherishing every moment because he's kind of at the end of his career. Whereas uh, with Tua, you know, um, they 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 drafted him high in the first round, uh, even though he was hurt. You know, it, it was it was only a matter of time before he eventually stepped out on the field, um, especially with the success that uh, the, those young guys are having, like Joe Burrow and. Uh, the other kid they got out in San Diego, those guys are starting to starting to look pretty good. So they, I think they kind of just want to see where they're at um, and see see uh you know what what can, what he can do. I, I was one that uh, I, I felt like as long as Fitzpatrick was playing pretty decent, you know, you kind of just ride with him and and, and allow Tua to um to to continue to soak up some of that sideline experience and to see some of the things that 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 are, that, are, that will be thrown at him. But um, obviously they they're watching him in practice and they know you know uh, what he can do. So I, I guess they move the timetable up. But as far as Fitzpatrick goes, I mean that's that's just kind of the nature of the business, man. You you can't. It's nothing personal. You know he, he can't take it personally. Only thing he can do is go back and control what he can control. Continue to work and be there in the event that something happens. You know. But um, I mean he had to know that it was. It was only a matter of time, and I mean, we're at what week seven, week eight now. So, they, 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 they not only does the coach want to see, but the front office wants to see as well what what they've invested in. So, I mean, guys, the the the, the team, you know, hey, it, it it shouldn't shake them or anything because um, they knew he was drafted to play as well. So, I mean, you know, they they know go back to work, do do your job, do what you can control because. If you don't do your job, somebody else will replace you and you'll be, be in the same situation. <laughs> well, hey, you, ma- you mentioned earlier, too, about um, you didn't play against Zach a lot in practice because uh, you're both the ones. So that most likely means Tua has been playing against the ones on defense. He's been playing against in practice. So he's obviously showing something, and Flores feels like it's either going to be even keel, a wash, or even an upgrade with Tua coming in at this point. Exactly. I think so. Like I said, um, he, he's, he's, he's been – he was baptized by fire. Remember his first game was a national championship game. And he came in after, after you know, in the second half and, and, and pulled out a victory. So, I mean, he's, he's used to kind of being thrown in there, I think. And um, I think, um, you know, with, with that, that situation happening to him and uh, going into this situation kind of mid season, I think he'll be okay. And like you said, they, they've been watching him in practice and I'm sure they probably uh, just been waiting for him to get healthy, you know, healthy enough that, uh, clear that you know they're not worried about that hip anymore but other than that i mean i'm, I'm pretty sure it had uh had it not been for that he probably would have been out there to the start of the season do you think if uh do you think with this change because I, I know you've you've dealt with having you know like jay fielder's a quarterback and all of a sudden ray lucas has to come in or, or whoever the quarterback change is uh given the high investment in terms of draft capital they had with Tua. And the fact that you just mentioned the hip injury, you know, he, even though he's fully cleared, uh, is there is there any special instructions you think going to the offensive line room this week from either the head coach or the general manager or somebody from the front office going, whatever you do, do not <laughs> let this man get hurt or else you're all out of a job <laughs> along with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Is there any special instructions you guys, you ever experienced anything like that shifting from one quarterback to another where they say, okay, you know, granted two is left-handed. So that's a little bit different than Ryan Fitzpatrick, but it, was there ever a shift for the offensive line when you had to go from one quarterback to all of a sudden another one with Hey, he ten, he tends to roll out or he tends to drop back super far or anything like that where you guys have to communicate and then change how you actually block. Well, you, you, you still block the same, but you, you, uh, you know, the, the old line coach, I'm sure is, is, is telling those guys, Hey, look, <laughs> you know, they go chew my ass out. If, he, if, y'all, <laughs> if y'all let him get hit. So, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to be on making sure they're take, technically sound and all of those things. And I mean, with with that being said, 
that's a big chore uh, facing Aaron Donald and those guys Oof. from uh, the Rams coming up. So I'm like I said, I'm pretty sure uh, the coaches will, will scheme and, and and set some things to where um, he 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 could benefit the most and kind of keep him protected as, as much as possible. You know, you don't want to just uh, first game out drop him back 50 times and let him tee off. You know that type of thing. So I mean, um, I, I think the game plan. Uh, like I said, the O-line, O-line coach going in there telling those guys or chewing those guys' ass out, making sure that they do their <laughs> job. I, I think that those those will be the, the main changes. See, I, I'm too much of a wuss there, Jamie. I'd be calling for max protection. I want three tight ends in. I want an eligible left tackle out there. I want goal <laughs> yeah. line, first and 10, first play of the game from the 25-yard line. I want one yeah. running back, myself, and nine <laughs> offensive linemen. That's what I want if I'm two And, and the only running good. back is uh, Cox, the fullback. <laughs> Chandler Cox. I want a fullback back there. That's exactly right. Miles Gaskin, you say on the sidelines, we need Chandler Cox out here. Uh, I only got one more question, but I'm going to let Chris, because I know, Chris, you've got some questions for him. I have one, and I need I need answers from Jamie with my question. Yeah, I oh. got one, one quick thing, Jamie. And, and this is because you're a big dude. Your last name's Nails. You got like the you're, you're like a you're born to play a contact sport. Um, but tell tell the listeners, tell us what's something about you that's wholesome. That's that doesn't isn't Jamie Nails the big dude? Do you fish? Do you barbecue? What what's something that you just love to do that like any simpleton can do that isn't six six and um, last name Nails like a pro wrestler or a movie villain. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Probably, uh, probably a lot of people don't know. I, I, I was in chorus, like I, I was into music. I was in chorus. My mother was a music teacher. So I learned how to play instruments and stuff like that. I was in chorus. I won, uh, the Georgia state, uh, boys solo, uh, at, at literary meet for AAA when I was in high school. So I was a state champion singer in a uh, concert choir for boys solo. Jamie's got pipes, huh? You can sing. Yeah, scholarship offer to go sing at uh mercer and university of uh, mercer university in Macon, but i didn't want to go sing i want to play football so <laughs> no so james that's that's amazing so yeah so you get a scholarship offer there's no way they think that you're going to take this over a football opportunity yeah, at MU, but, uh, right like yeah they didn't know they didn't know but they you know they i won i won the state and uh they, they offered me the scholarship so but I knew I wasn't going to sing. I, I was out of the question. <laughs> so I got a funny story real quick for you. This is great because I, I was in drama uh, in high school. So I was I was in five plays, two musicals. Uh, didn't sing a lot. I was like the background guy or whatever in Greece. But I do my tour of Wingate University here, a Division II program near Charlotte, North Carolina. And Joe Reich's the head coach. He still is. His brother, Frank Reich, is the head coach of uh, the Colts. And he, he he gives me – we do the tour and everything, and he goes, any other questions about the campus or anything? And I said, yeah, how's your drama department? And he looked at me like I had two heads, man. And he goes, the drama, the drama department. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, the drama. How's the drama department here? He's like, I've never had a football player ask me how the drama department is. And I told him I'm not like your average jock, man. I, I like I like acting too. So that's a hilarious. That's amazing here in course. That's great. Yeah, I, I was I, of course. You should have combined the two, Jamie. I, I mean, imagine you're pulling to the right-hand side against the San Diego Chargers and Rodney singing Harrison's there, and all of a sudden you're just singing, you know, uh, oh, Oklahoma, and all of a sudden Rodney Harrison's pancaked. Ricky Williams is jumping over him, scoring a touchdown, and you're just singing a celebratory touchdown with jazz hit. hands. Imagine imagine how scary it would have been for Jamie Nails, number 66, you know, 320 pounds, doing show tunes and jazz hands as he's knocking people in the next week. That would have been fantastic. That wouldn't look right, so I, I was too big. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, yeah. Jamie Nails hits somebody. He's like, "Fly me to the moon." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> although, although Jamie might have ended up having to be uh, paying for uh, dinner, even though rookies were there, right? They're like, "Now nah, you're singing show tunes, Jamie. You're paying." Exactly. Right? Jazz, you jazz hands pays for the bill. Jazz hands pays for the bill. <laughs> uh, all right, my last question here. This is hard hitting journalism here, Jamie. Uh, okay. We we've loved having you on the show. We know you've done other Miami Dolphins podcasts. I know you were drafted by the Buffalo Bills. I understand that. That's one of our big rivals. I know they got a sauce spot in your heart because they drafted you that makes total sense but when i go on your twitter page and i look at your twitter header i see you as number 74 mr buffalo bill and i'm just wondering can we get that switch to uh jamie nails just running over uh teddy teddy johnson or teddy brewski or somebody like <laughs> miami dolphins uh header there? I, don't, I don't i don't have any good pictures like that so i, I just put the you know the one action one action shot that i had up that was it if I had some good Dolphin pictures, I would put them up there. I really would. 
I'm going to throw this out there to all the citizens of Perfectville because yep. you're going to get some good action shots. Even if people Photoshop you in Madden and do it, you're going to get some good action <laughs> shots of you, number 66, Jamie Nails for the Miami Dolphins. That's all, man. No, we're just having some fun with you. I saw that. I was like, oh, no, Buffalo Bills. But you know what? Yeah, no, nah, like I said, that was the only good action shot I had, man, from playing with, with uh, Miami. So that's what I, I meant with, uh, with, with anybody, really. So that's what I put up there. So, so that was it. I mean, we'll get so a couple of your away. Good ones. I, I'll definitely put them up. All right. Well, Chris, anything else before we let the big man go? Uh, no, man, Jamie, it's been great having you, buddy. I appreciate it. It's been it's much, um, most I've laughed in a while on this show, and that says a lot. Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for having me. See you, Jamie. We'll see you down the road. All right. All right you guys take care. Special thanks once again to Jamie Nails. Who knew, yes. Chris? Uh, not only was he a just run-mauling guard that sprung Ricky Williams for 1,800 yards back in 2002, uh, but the guy is also uh, – well, I doubt he's a falsetto, but the guy uh, is, a, is, is a singer. I knew it. I knew it. When I came up with this question, I'm like, look, you're huge. You're, you're a massive man. Uh, it's one of those, you know, you got to challenge him every time you shake his hand, you got to squeeze real hard and you're like, fuck dude, like I'm a person like this sucks that you just, that's your persona. And your last name is nails. I knew there was some kind of hidden secret about this guy. And I am glad I asked because chorus of all things, I mean, honestly, he might've been a horrible singer, but who the fuck's going to tell him? <laughs> yeah you think he actually we didn't prove that we that you know that's a bad on us we should have proved made him prove that he could actually sing because who's going to tell him no you're absolutely right you know his mom was a singer uh singing teacher and all of a sudden he's singing terribly who's going to say no you're not he's he's, he's 350 pounds and he's taller than you uh, time and cal's like a, bl- uh, a bloody brilliant it was just brilliant yeah welcome aboard it was my terrible English accent for the day. It wasn't very good, but that's okay. Uh, I will say this. I mean, Jamie Nails has left his mark on the Miami Dolphins organization. He was only with us for two years, Chris. Two years, and to this day, almost 20 years later, people still reference him and say, we need a Jamie Nails type. I mean, it, that's got to be just a hell of a legacy. It, you know, He's got to hold his head high going, hey, I was with this organization for two, two seasons, and uh, they're still referencing me all these years later. And speaking of two seasons, Ryan Fitzpatrick is in his second season with the Miami Dolphins, and that's what we got to talk about here, Chris. We got to talk about the fact that Ryan Fitzpatrick has led this team to a three and three record, uh, took on the reins last year as the bridge quarterback, um, knowing full well it was going to be a full blown rebuild. He 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 wins the hearts and minds and souls of all Dolphins everywhere, comes back this season, knowing full well that at some point Tua Tungabailoa, the fifth overall pick of the 2020 draft, was going to take his job. And you know what? It just happened. It happened yesterday from when we were recording this it was announced not even officially yet that Tua is now the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins uh just in general Chris where's your level of excitement for Tua being the starting quarterback and where's your level of disappointment for Ryan Fitzpatrick no longer being the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins that's a great question because that's exactly it. it it is twofold I am Thrilled and excited to see what we have in this guy. Uh, nothing but good things being said about his teammates on defense and offense. Uh, guys that played with him in college, coaches that coached him. Um, so excited. And, and barring and, and, and completely opposite of everything we talked about last time when I was kind of anti to a playing, I really want to see this guy go. And, and it's one of those things where it's just – you, you got to see what you, what you got. <laughs> you have to get him time and reps. Are we expecting a Super Bowl this year? Yes or no? If that answer is no or even close to no, um, you play him. So he takes his lumps, throws a couple picks, sees some defenses, sees the speed of the game. So next year in 2021, we again have uh, four picks in the first two rounds. You're, you're building around the guy that has experience. So without a preseason, you have to get him in the game. Now, uh, going on the other side of that, Fitzpatrick. This sucks. Watching his press conference, Sam, I was on my lunch break right as he interviewed. And of course, they immediately tweeted the videos, put them on the NFL network. He was broken. Like it, it, it was really hard to watch because it's a guy that you root for. We've said it a million times. He is a great player um, and even a better person, I think, and leader uh, that you can't coach. And he just wants to play. He loves the game so much. And I have been that football player when I was in the locker room and I knew that was the last damn time I was going to put on that helmet. Still emotional. I didn't want to take it off. So he said, this might be the last time he starts Sam. And it is, it, it's, it's sad because he loves the game so much. He's played almost to his damn forties with a huge family that he can just be home on a farm somewhere, hanging out and fishing. But, um, 
he loves the game and it's it's been taken and and the worst part of it all is he found out via fucking social media or something because it leaked so it's just not the best way it could have happened but i'm super happy for tua and my heart does break for ryan fitzpatrick yeah i really hope we can do something with fitzpatrick again it's 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 very similar to a jamie nails except maybe even more pronounced than that he's only been here two years but you can see he's left his mark not only on the miami dolphins organization but uh the fans as well i mean there's so many people that are so excited for Tua, but at the same time kind of looking in the rearview mirror going oh no look what we did and this is one of only a few times that i i i I can criticize the Miami Dolphins organization since Chris Greer and Brian Flores and Tom Garfinkel and everybody took over as a, as a triumphant, uh, how they handled this announcement. Uh, and, and, and it was leaked, right? It was, this wasn't their intention of, of how to handle it because a, the timing is terrible. Why would you give the, the Rams two weeks exactly. uh, to prepare for this and B how it was actually sent out, how it was leaked was, uh, it really did a disservice to the Miami Dolphins really did a disservice to Ryan Fitzpatrick and he deserved better than that. And he deserves better than that. And that's why I love this coach because Brian Flores has already come out and said he's going to apologize to the team on how this got leaked. And uh, as we're seeing from people who know Brian Flores saying they wouldn't be surprised, Tony Dungy came out and said this, Chris, uh, he wouldn't be surprised if the entire locker room is turned upside down based on what he knows about Coach Flores and what he what he stands for. This goes against everything that the Miami Dolphins are trying to build in terms of their culture. Um, I'm really, really surprised, disappointed, and shocked that it actually came out the way that it did. But it is what it is at this point. It, it is out there. Ryan Fitzpatrick is no longer the starter. Uh, even with that, even with everything that's happened, how heartbroken he was, how hard it was to watch that press conference today, um, he still comes out and says once he gets through this, he's got to do everything he can possibly do to help to it. And you know what? He even said something along the lines of five years from now, I could come out of the stands without throwing a football for five years and be ready to go. This guy loves football. He loves being on the field. He loves playing. I don't think we've seen the last of Ryan Fitzpatrick for the Miami Dolphins under center. No, I don't either. And if it's in mop-up duty or even if it's at the uh, last game of the season, his last year of his contract, and we know something that you know the, the coaches know and front office knows something that we don't, I could totally see us in a 10-point, 20-point game or something where there's like a minute or two minutes left. You know, th- them sending the guys on the field and let two ahead off so Fitz can come out and get that ovation or something like that because he deserves it. Um, and, and I agree. I don't think it's the last time we see him under center. I think if he ever gets the opportunity, whether in mop-up duty or a knock on wood, uh, an injury, he's going to come in and he's going to play like a guy on fire because he loves this game so much. And he, uh, more than anybody, knows um, what it's like to have it taken away from you, whether it's cut or benched or traded. Uh, he, he knows it all. He's been around everywhere. So, um, you just hate it for him. But like you said, it, it's life. Flores said, this is the way the world works these days. Um, and I think uh, I tweeted about it. The ultimate pro ultimate pro that he said he's going to have his heart was broken. His heart was, uh, um, in pain all day yesterday. But, um, when, <clears throat> when he gets to the facility, he has to leave that when he checks in and gets his temperature checked because he is going to do everything he can to make sure Tua is prepared and he plays well. Because he likes the kid, Tua said they have like a father father son relationship, and uh, for him to to do that and leave that at the door just shows us that person he is. He's gonna he's gonna do everything possible, and I I don't think it's gonna be a surprise to see Fitzpatrick's gonna be his biggest cheerleader on the sideline. Yeah, I think we're all we all understand that Ryan Fitzpatrick is a pro and, and he deserves to be upset right now. I am curious, though, Chris, if you're the front office and Ryan Fitzpatrick comes to you and says, I need to be traded because there's an opportunity with the Dallas Cowboys, let's say, where I can actually compete for a starting job. And I know I don't have a future here for the Miami Dolphins. Do you entertain that or do you try to do everything you can to keep him, Or uh, do you out of respect say, yep, you know what, we're going to move on from you and give you the opportunity somewhere else uh, uh, to finish out your career as a starting quarterback? If he's the one asking, then you do it. Cause you, you, you got to respect this guy. Like after, especially after everything that's happened um, and he comes to you, you know, and, and it's not, you know, it's one of those things if he's out there and he's like, yeah, rah, rah, cheering for, uh, for Tua. And we call the, you know, the Cowboys and we're like, Hey guys, it fits, huh? I think he's going to be a little bit better than Andy, Andy Dalton. That'd be fucked up. But if he's coming to us and he's like, Hey, Brian, you know, I love you guys. I love the team, but I know I can play. And I also know it's Tua's time. It's Tua's team. But if there's an opportunity out there that I can go play, I, I want to play. I think you respect that. I honestly 100% respect that. And I, to be completely honest, you find a desperate team like Dallas in the worst division in football, you could probably get a freaking pretty penny, penny for them when um, normally or before the season, you're, you're garnering nothing. 
Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of teams, especially in the NFC, that could probably use his services. I mean, you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys. I was actually thinking of the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, Jimmy G is not everything that he's cracked up to be. And if he gets injured again, I don't think that team can really rely on CJ Beathard or uh, Nick Mullins to, to lead them back to the promised land. So I could see somebody like uh, them maybe making a play for Ryan Fitzpatrick as well. Uh, but I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's here for the rest of the season. And uh, somebody mentioned on Twitter, uh, you hand him a contract extension right now and say, please come back next year as well. Yes. You know what your role is going to be. We need you here. We want you here and see what he says. Uh, you know, there's some stability there at 37, 38 years old. Uh, maybe he comes back and, and, and plays one last season, quote unquote, with the Miami Dolphins. I would love it. I would welcome him back in a heartbeat. Uh, but we got to move on here, Chris, much like the Miami Dolphins do. We got to move on from Ryan Fitzpatrick and talk about the man of the hour. Too sweet to be sour. Number one in our hearts and on his jersey. Tua Tungavailoa is making his starting debut for the Miami Dolphins. Not this week, Chris. But next week, and oh, by the way, who's he up against week one? Well, you heard Jamie Nails talk about it. Aaron Donald. Yeah, whatever. I ain't scared. And Tua ain't scared. He played against the biggest, baddest boys in college in the SEC. Aaron Donald is one, maybe two men. He is gigantic, and he is a monster. Um, But we got some big boys there, and if they can just get in his way, Tua is flight-footed. He he can move around the pocket, and I I have a feeling – uh, we got two two weeks to prepare for these guys. That Chan Gailey, if he's anything, uh, which he is, he's a good offensive coordinator. He's going to have plans in place to keep Tua moving from the inside of that defense. And rollouts are going to be a part of it. Um, you know, play action bootlegs are going to be a part of a lot of the game plan here. But there's more than Aaron Donald. There, there's Jalen Ramsey. There's there's a good defense over there in uh, in Los Angeles. So it's going to be it's going to be a fun match. Like. W- I'm sorry. They're, everybody's talking about this team that we got to play. And oh my God, you're going to put them out there first again. This is the NFL. Like you're not playing again. Every team has a really good player and every defense um, is out for blood. And honestly, like it, it just, it, it baffles my mind that we're going to pick a guy fifth overall. And people are like worried about him going against a good defense. I want to see how he does against a good defense. Cause this is what we got you for. Like, that's it. No, that makes sense. And, you know, just Aaron Donald's just a mean, mean guy. I don't, I don't push that on just about anybody other than uh, maybe the Jets. Like 350 but, pounds with an eight pack. It's insane. Yeah. And he's like out there when he's, when he's trying to get his hand, you know, hand quickness up. I saw a video. He's out there with a guy who's got knives and he's like knocking the guy down. He's got knives and axes and shit. I've never seen anything quite like that. Uh, but you're right. You got to put him out there. You see, in my opinion, I think the plan was always to bring him in after the buy. Right. Uh, the buy was originally in between two Jets games. That changed, but the plan did not change. And now Tua is in. Uh, I, I kind of feel like that's the plan. It's the only way it makes sense right now because Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing well enough to get them to three and three. But we also have to remember Ryan Fitzpatrick is like third in the league in, in interceptions right now too so he had some uh, room to uh, improve if you will and maybe we just weren't seeing that improvement this is what he is right Ryan Fitzpatrick's got eight good games in him and eight bad games in him and we're trying to get somewhere else this season right away until it gives us that best option I am curious though would you have put him in to start this game or would see I kind of felt like what they did in that Jets game made sense bring him in do a little bit of mop-up duty get his feet wet throw a couple of balls have some success in terms of converting a third down for the first time in the game and then maybe in the next game you have a couple of packages. Maybe he's in for a couple of um, a couple of series in the first half, and almost treat it like like it's a preseason for him. And then about you know four weeks after doing that, that's when you pull the trigger. Would you have him start this game against the Rams, or uh, or would you have done a different game plan if you were in charge? Yeah, hundred percent. I don't I don't agree with the the packages and the little thing because that never works. Quarterback plays like pitching. Sam, can you imagine going pitch an inning, sit for three innings, and go pitch another couple of innings. Like you got to get in a groove. You got to get uh, a feel. There's been no preseason. It's the only practice. The only time he's going to see this uh, is to do it. And his former coach at Alabama said that you can watch all the tape, you can practice all you want, but Tua learns while playing. And he's the type of guy, if he makes a mistake, he won't make that mistake again. So you only do that by putting him out there. Like they're doing that kind of with the Eagles. They're putting Jalen Hurts out there for a play or two. Um, You got to think about football. Football is six seconds of violence, extreme violence, and then like 30 seconds of break. Six seconds of violence. If you're going to just do a package where you do a couple plays and off, it just breaks the momentum of everything. The receivers got to run the routes a little bit differently because the chemistry is different. I, you just either start them or you don't. And I, I agree that at least with the bye week, I agree with you that the plan was later, but the plan got changed. It's COVID. Everybody's changing. And uh, if Ryan Fitzpatrick wants to blame anybody for having f- four to five less games that he plays this season, it's COVID-19. That's the reason why they did this as a plan all along. I truly believe that. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And you know what? You're probably right. I mean, it, 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 we are going to see some growing pains. And that's the one thing that we all have to be prepared for is that he's going to make some mistakes. He's going to have some issues in terms of throwing interceptions. And we're all going to be holding our breath the first time Aaron Donald or anybody else lands on top of him. Uh, but we're going to have, to have faith in him, right? That's why you invest a fifth round or uh, sorry, a fifth overall draft pick in a guy like this and give him all that money and make him your starting quarterback is so that he can absorb those hits, get up and then throw a touchdown to Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, Mike Kosicki, or anybody else, maybe even Jakeem Grant. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks. Uh, so the Miami Dolphins are three and three. They're in second place in their division. They are in the hunt when it comes to that extra wild card portion as well. Uh, they're very much active when it comes to uh, being a part of the playoffs, at least right now, which I don't know that we really thought that that would be the case. Maybe we did, Chris, but now you've got a rookie out there and Tua Tungavailoa. You've got two rookies, eventually three rookies on the offensive line when Austin Jackson comes back. Um, the future, uh, we can talk about the LA Rams game next week because we're on a bye this week, but the future of this team uh, lies heavily with Tua and those three guys on the offensive line protecting him for the many, 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 many years to come, as Jamie Nails talked about, starting them over and over and over again. And uh, we've talked about this before, but I think the future is very bright for this team. Yeah, we said the same thing with the offensive line, that they need to play and they're going to progress and get better every week. That is the same thing with Tua Tungo-Vailoa. We're going to see – some headaches. We're going to see some things where it's like, oh, why do you throw that? It's like, oh, those guys aren't that fast at Mississippi State. Um, so it's going to be, it's going to be some. He might come out and surprise people, but I, I don't think we need to come out here and try to compare him to Justin Herbert, compare him to Joey Burrow, anything like that. Uh, they're not winning games either. Those guys, uh, yeah, there's some numbers. A lot of it mop up duty. A lot of it. Um, well, they're uh, playing from behind, so they're having to throw exactly, the ball more and more exactly. and more. Yeah. With the way our defense is playing right now, if Tua goes out there and he manages the game, doesn't try to do too much, which was something that was they said uh, in Alabama was a fault of his, which is a good fault to have. I mean, like you want to take over the game and be Superman, but sometimes you got to know to check it down. Sometimes you got to know to take a sack. Sometimes you got to know to throw it away. And I hope he's learned enough to do all those things because I think it can be great. And this young core that we have being such a young team, if two is the guy, Sam, like this, it changes everything. Like we, we go from a paper bag to we might see our Ronde Bagston's face because um, they could change the whole landscape of this franchise, Sam. And that's why I think we need to get him out there, get him playing uh, and see what we got because um, uh, he could be special. What's the first play you call if you're Chan Gailey and Tua Tungavailoa is lining up to, to, to snap his first ball? I have a play in mind, but what would you do if you were the head coach or the play caller? Play action, go route to Devontae Parker. That's exactly what up. I would do. I would do, I would replicate the exact same play that he killed Georgia with back in the national championship game. Yep. The exact same thing. Protection scheme, all of it. Just do the exact same thing and let him fire that motherfucker out to Devontae Parker or Preston Williams or whoever happens to be out there. But Grant, of all people, has an ADR touchdown and fantasy owners are like, ah! Yeah, that, that's exactly what I would do, too, is just let him go deep early. And then whether it works or not, then you scale back. Then you have him run the ball. Then you have, you know, scripted 15, the first plays being scripted uh, and just let him do his thing at that point. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know you're looking forward to it. The next couple of weeks, this is the, probably the most excitement we're ever going to get, Chris, uh, <laughs> for the Miami Dolphins during a bye week. Yes, most exciting bye week in Dolphins history that uh, Tua Tungavailoa on a Tua's day was um, – name the starter and he's going to start on 11 one and he's number one. So yeah, it's, it's just amazing. Yeah. All the things that he's, Dolphins Twitter is fucking hilarious. I, I love following this fan base because you either hate this, you love it uh, or there's just memes and it's just, it's beautiful. Love you guys. It might be the most aligned we've ever been as a fan base, though. I mean, Ryan Tannehill really split it down the middle. 50% loved him, 50% hated him. Uh, Jay Fiedler had that split. AJ Feely, every quarterback that we've had since Dan Marino uh, has given us some sort of like debate. But right now, nobody's debating that Tua is the answer going forward. Maybe they're debating when he should be in. Uh, but even then, it seems like the people that are questioning this move are people that are not necessarily associated with the Miami Dolphins or the citizens of Perfect Builds, people on the outside looking in going, wow, was this the right time? It's, it's really interesting to see the Miami Dolphins fan base almost universal um, uh, on the same page here, Chris. I've never seen anything like it. He, he has unified uh, a very divided Dolphins nation. Coming from a guy that just goes by Tua, that's number one, that has prophecies in Hawaii, how, who, who better to be the guy that brings Dolphins Twitter and the Dolphin universe together. Um, and honestly, the only debating any Dolphins fan should be doing is master debating because we are, we got two a playing boys. 
Well, and in two weeks, Chris, when he is on the field, I already have him on my fantasy team in the okayest fantasy league ever. I drafted the guy knowing that this day was coming. So guess who's starting for me in two weeks? And you know why? It couldn't be any worse than what my disaster of a team is this season. So Tua Tungavailoa will be starting at at least one fantasy league for ESPN in two weeks, and that will be for my team. One in the pink, Tua in the stink. (laughs) Perfect. That's your name. And the Flores Lava is uh you know what we can just end the show we're counting on matt ryan of all people man he's good hit or miss let's see uh well i think that's the end of the show here uh hopefully you guys enjoy your bye week do whatever you need to do to get through this bye week it's probably just going to be reading a lot of tua news articles <laughs> and watching tua clips from alabama as well as uh, the house uh sideline tua cam and everything else he's got going on so enjoy your bye week enjoy it because next week it's going to be nothing but fire when tua tungavailoa gets in the game and plays against the los angeles rams at home making his debut as a starter uh in two weeks until then Special thanks once again to Jamie Nails for joining Find us Jamie here Nails on the show. Picture. Find a picture for Jamie Nails. That's your job. And your job, citizens, is to go find an action shot, a good quality action shot of Jamie Nails in a Miami Dolphins uniform so we can change that header of his on Twitter away from the Buffalo Bills 74 into the beautiful picturesque 66 that he is known for. That's why everyone knows him. That's how everyone knows him. He, we, need to, we need to help him out. Let's give him a facelift on Twitter. And until then, Chris, unless you got anything else to say, the only thing left to say for me is goodbye. From Perfect Bill. Later. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.